Buenos dias. Today is Monday, October the 19th. NFL Week 6 is almost in the books. We have two games left. Brady and the Bucks take down Rodgers and the Packers 38-10. Titans come back against the Texans. They go to 5-0. They play the Steelers next week, who are also 5-0. It's going to be a great game in England. What is going on in the Premier League? An unprecedented beginning of the season. Tottenham ties, Chelsea ties, Liverpool ties. Crazy, crazy starts to the season. My name is Ismael San Juan. This is Hard to Handle Sports, episode number 11. Thank you guys so much for being here. Let's get started. Week six of the NFL. It was a good, good, if not great weekend of football. We've had some good, good, good games. Um, let's just run down through the scores real quick. Titans beat the Texans 42 to 36. Uh, I will be touching on this game in a little bit more in depth. Uh, Titans go to 5-0. Texans are 1-5. Texans are done. Texans fired their head coach, Bill O'Brien. Um, they look, They still look like a bad team. They played a little better. Blew a lead at the end. Uh, they're, just, they're trying to finish the season already. They don't have aspirations to do anything. Their future looks murky. They don't have, they don't have draft capital. The Titans, on the other hand, is looking like um, paying Tannehill was a, was, a, was a success. He's playing really, really good. Eagles 28, Ravens 30. The Ravens were ahead most of the game. The Eagles looked dead in the water. They have too many injuries on the offensive side. Just across the board, all, all across their team, it looks like uh, they're missing a lot of their players. They need to give uh, Carson Wentz a lot of help because it's just him right now. And he's doing his best, but it's not enough when he play against like teams like the Ravens. So the Eagles need help. They're 1-4-1, four, one, four one. surprisingly just because in the division they're in, they're still alive. The Falcons, I mean, the Ravens are 5-1, and one, and they're second in their division behind the Steelers. Vikings lose to the Falcons 40-23. They fought a 1-5. They're done. Uh, they, they came out flat. It looked like they used all their energy last week against the, against the Seahawks. The Falcons finally get their first win, first game without Dan Quinn, and first game after they followed their GM, uh, Dimitrov. They get their first win of the of the season. They go to one and five. Steelers blow out the Browns. Same old Browns. Mayfield is not good enough. Uh, Thirty eight to seven. The Browns go to four and two. They're still alive. They're probably still gonna get a playoff spot. I'll talk. I'll talk about that game in a little bit. Um, the Colts come back against the Bengals. Thirty one to twenty seven. They go to four and two. The Bengals fall to one four and one. Can't really fault the Bengals. They were up twenty one zero. They shouldn't even, they're not a team that's supposed to be up on most teams. So they probably got ahead of themselves. They probably thought they were good. Uh, I think in the commentary, they kept saying that every, at least one game every week of the season has has had a team that's gone down uh, by three touchdowns and has come back. This week it was the Colts. I gave a lot of, I gave a lot of slack to to uh, Colts quarterback Phillip Rivers last week. I said that he was stealing from the, from the Colts. I'm, I, $25 million because that's his salary. I might have to take that back. He's not stealing 25. He's probably just stealing like seven or eight. He's worth around 18 million. He had a great game yesterday. Brought the Colts back. They're four and two now. They trail the Titans, who are five and oh. The Jaguars, same division. They go to one and five. They beat they lose to the Lions 16-34. The Lions go to two and three. Uh two teams that on aren't honestly 
they could just play spoiler. I think the Lions, they're, they're two and three. They could still maybe make the playoffs, but I, I don't see it happening. It was a whatever game for me, to be honest. The Panthers, Panthers lose to the Bears. Panthers go to three and three. They had surprised some teams. They had one, I believe, two two in a row without McCaffrey. Uh, they lose. They're, they're three and three now. The Bears, surprisingly, the Bears. I still don't believe in the Bears. They're probably five and one will probably get you uh, a playoff spot now that there's seven spots. But I still don't believe in the Bears. But they're five and one. Their defense is amazing. Foles is playing decently enough, so so they have a chance. The Giants. The Giants beat the Washington football team 20 to 19. They get their first victory of the season. Uh yeah, the Giants. Giants. I don't uh they had an okay, okay game. At the end, Washington could have could have gone for the win. They could have tied the game, pushed it to overtime. River Riverboat Ron decided to go for two and go for the win. It didn't happen. Giants get their first victory. That division is pathetic. They're both one and five now. They're both still alive for the division title. It just goes to show how bad the NFC East is. Patriots lose to the Broncos 16-18. Patriots are now two and three. They're third in their division. Uh, honestly, uh, um, Cam Newton looked a little, a little rusty. The offense looked rusty. Uh, they haven't played in a while, especially Cam Newton because he got COVID. Broncos, with a lot of injuries, managed to squeak out a victory. It looked like they were trying to throw the victory away. They were up like kind of comfortably, and they had some turnovers, and it got kind of close at the end. But, yeah, the Broncos are 2-3. and three. Patriots are 2-3. and three. I still believe in the Patriots. I don't believe in the Broncos. The Dolphins shut out the Jets 24-0. They go to 3-3. Three and three. They're ahead of the Patriots for the first time in years in the standings. The Jets m- might be the worst team I've seen in a long time. They're 0-6. I-, I think they're going to go 1-16. I don't see that team getting a victory. I think they're all in on tanking. And and even if they weren't all in on tanking, that roster is atrocious. Their head coach sucks. It's a bad It's a bad team. It's, it's a bad organization. It's a bad situation they're in. It- it's just bad all around for the New York Jets. They might go 0-16. Uh, they're, they're a sorry team. I don't see them. I cannot. I see their schedule, and I cannot see them get a victory. They're just that bad of a team. The Buccaneers beat the Packers 38-10. to Brady plays all right. Defense plays amazing. Bucks are 4-2. Packers are 4-1. I'm going to touch on that game in a little bit. 49ers beat the Rams 24-16. Pull up the upset. They came out firing. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo bounced back. He had a good game. Uh, the defense stepped up. They kind of neutralized the Rams. Goff could have had a better game. It was it was it was an entertaining game for the most part. But the real winner is the Seahawks. They had a bye week, and now they have a two game lead on the Rams. They the Cardinals played today. Even if they win, they'll still have a two game lead on the Cardinals. It was a good weekend for the Seahawks. Good bye week. Rams lose. 49ers win. And then we have two games left on on today, Monday, October the nineteenth. The Bills, the four and one Bills, and the four and one Chiefs play today. Two of the hottest quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, go up against each other. It's going to be a good game. And then also we have the Cowboys and the Cardinals, the two and three Cowboys against the three and two Cardinals. The Cardinals have a chance to tie up with the Rams at four and two for the second place in their division. So they're going to try to get that victory. The Cowboys, no matter what, they'll finish the the weekend as the number one team 
in the East, even if they lose and they fall to two and four, they'll still hold that number one spot in NFC East. Just a sorry, sorry, what a sorry division. It's, it's, ah, oh God, it's so bad. Anyways, the first game that I wanted to touch on was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Green Bay Packers. Probably the hyped up game of the week. Rodgers versus Brady, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Um, people consider Brady the GOAT. Obviously, for good reason. He has six rings. He had a great stint with the with the oh the Patriots. He, they had a great stint with the Patriots. Uh, so it was it was a good uh it was a good run. Six titles with Belichick. Never never seen before. Obviously, Brady is the goat. In my opinion, he is the goat. Even though I don't really care for him or I've never really enjoyed him that much. I've always been against the the Patriots, but it is what it is. And then on the Green Bay side, Rodgers, people call him the best thrower of the football in NFL history. He He's a good quarterback too. But yeah, Tampa Bay versus Green Bay, it was a hyped up game of the week. And honestly, it was a little, it was a little disappointing. I thought it was going to be more competitive. I thought the Packers and the Buccaneers were going to go down to the wire and it didn't. It was... What was the score? It was 38 to 10 Buccaneers. They won by four touchdowns. At the beginning, it looked like the Packers were going to maybe get ahead. They were up 10-0, I believe. They had the football. The Buccaneers hadn't done anything. And then uh, Rodgers threw a pick six, and then the game just flipped on that play. The Buccaneers were prepared for Rodgers. They threw a lot of blitzes. They made him really uncomfortable. I think for the first time all season, Rodgers didn't look comfortable inside the pocket. He looked rattled. Uh, his line looked like it was overmatched. Yeah, he, he, the whole the whole game he was just running for his life. Basically, um, he didn't have a lot of chance to just you know sit in the pocket and pick the defense apart. And and they were throwing pressure from all over the place. So even when he would try to scramble and extend the play, and we all know Rodgers when he does that, that's when he's at his best when he improvises and he makes like great plays. Yeah, the Bucks were all over that. They they didn't give him a chance to to really improvise and uh extend the play. The Buccaneers for the first time in their in their history as a franchise, they had zero turn- turnovers and they had zero penalties throughout the whole game. And I think that's a culture change that Brady has brought uh from the Patriots. He's bring he's brought discipline to this team. First time ever, no penalties and no turnovers. That's that's pretty incredible. It's incredible that it had never happened. And then it's no surprise, to be honest, that it happens now that Brady's here. He takes care of the football. And I know he holds his team accountable. So it's not that surprising that they had no penalties. And uh, it's funny because Jamal Williams, running back for the Packers, actually called out Brady in the middle of the week. He said he, there was like a soundbite that said, oh, my quarterback or our quarterback knows always knows what down it is and i was referencing last week when the when the bucks played the bears on thursday night football like i think they were down a touchdown or a field goal and brady was driving down the field and they were they were in a fourth down situation and it it looked like brady didn't know that it was fourth down because once they didn't get the first down on that down he, he still thought he had another down so he thought it was third down and then they were going into fourth down when they were actually in fourth down and that was their last chance. And he missed, they didn't connect, so that was that was it. And then he he held out a four. 
thinking like, oh, we're, are we not going towards fourth down right now? So there was a lot of scrutiny in the media. Everybody kept asking Brady. Everybody kept asking uh, Bruce Arians, like, what what happened on that play? Like, did Brady just not know what down it was? Why why was he throwing the four up when, when you guys were done already, when you guys had turned over the ball on downs already? And then they they never admitted it, but it was pretty obvious that he did kind of, like, mess up mentally, or I don't know what happened, but he just lost track of the down. But Jamal Williams of of the Packers throughout the week in the middle of the week said that soundbite just along the lines he said that oh, our quarterback always knows what down it is and I know that I know Brady saw that and I know it fueled him Brady Brady comes from the Patriots and they're known for having that locker room that uh, whiteboard material where whatever the team says the other team says throughout the week they just you know post it on the whiteboard and that just gives them more fuel to go out there and beat you and I know that motivated Brady and Jamal Williams you should know better by now Brady's been in the league for so long. You don't he doesn't need any extra motivation. But with that being said, like the offense struggled for the Packers. Don't get me wrong. They didn't put up points. But the defense, the defense, the defense has uh it, it seems like they they can't fix their problem. That defense is a front running defense. Like they have to be up. The offense needs to put points up and the defense has to be playing with the lead. That's when they're pretty good, if not like they're not great, but they're they're pretty good defense if the offense gets a lead and they're able to play ahead because then the other team becomes one-dimensional. They, they usually just start throwing. The defense kind of knows what's coming. They, they forget about the run for the most part. When the Packers don't build a lead and the Packers defense has to account for both the run and the pass, that's when that's when they they just fall into a really bad defense and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to stop either one. They have to focus on both, and they can't they can't neutralize one or the other. So the Packers really have to get up ahead, and then the defense is able to play with the lead. They're able to just you know key on the pass, let them get runs. We're up, we're up anyways. Like it doesn't really matter. So yeah, they got to fix that. They got to find a way to be a decent defense when the game is not when the Packers are not ahead by a lot or just it's a close game. They got to figure out how to. Yeah, I don't know. Stop, stop the running game. Everyone, you know, lane assignment. Stay in your lane. Don't, don't get gashed by by the run. And in the past, just don't give up the big play. If anything, they could be like a bend but don't break defense. Where, you know, teams get yards on you, but once you get into the red zone, you hold them to field goals. And I think that should be good enough with Rodgers as your quarterback. But it doesn't even look like they could do that at this point. It looks like once once they don't have a lead and once they can't play with confidence that you know they could give up a big play because they're ahead. It just looks like they completely completely fold, and they're just a really bad defense at that point. But it did look it did look like uh, they were going to be able to play ahead. Like I said, they were up 10-0, and Rodgers and the Packers had the ball on offense, and it looked like you know if if Rodgers it, it actually looked like Brady and the Bucks weren't really doing nothing on offense they were struggling they they weren't moving the ball it looked like it was going to be a good game for the Packers if Rodgers takes down the offense and they score even just a field goal take a 13 point lead or get a touchdown push it to 17 it kind of looked like okay like the Bucks are really struggling to get anything going but then Rodgers threw a pick six and then they cut that they cut that they cut their lead with that touchdown and then on two plays later once they get the ball back Rodgers throws another pick and they bring it down all the way to like the three or four yard line and then Brady and the offense comes in and then they 
punch it in right away and then they take the lead and after that it was it just shifted the whole the whole game those two interceptions by by Rodgers and that's very uncharacteristic of Rodgers he usually doesn't turn the ball over especially pick six like i feel like he has very little pick sixes in his uh, in his career but that that was the turning point in the game it could have been probably a competitive game it could have been a closer game but that kind of opened the floodgates after that it was never the same the the packers were never really in the game after that the the buccaneers took over their defense hunkered down and it, the buccaneers honestly looked really really good yesterday uh for the first time this season gronkowski was able to get a touchdown he looked pretty good i believe he had over 50 yards receiving yeah he he looked like he he's getting his connection back with brady if if he gets going and now they have uh Mike Evans Mike Evans is getting healthy he has a bum ankle and Chris Godwin is coming back he he finally was able to play again they could be scary man with that tight end two elite wide receivers they have decent uh, slot wide receivers Ronald Jones is running the ball really really hard he he went over 100 yards again rushing that's the third straight game he's done that He's the third leading rusher in the NFL with 472 yards. That offense is starting to look balanced. Brady didn't even go over 200 yards passing yesterday, and they beat down the Packers, 38 to 10. It, the Bucks, the Bucks, the Bucks are warming up, man. The Bucks might be able to do this. The, Brady, if Brady was able to get the Bucks to the playoffs and they're able to make some noise, oh my God, he's just gonna keep cementing his his uh, legacy. He's just gonna keep pushing further and further away. But yeah, the the Buccaneers look good. The Packers need to fix their defense. Uh, or Rodgers just has to always. That's a lot of pressure to put on Rodgers. Like he always has to build an early lead so that their defense could play half halfway decent. Because if they don't, they don't have the defense to stop teams or to get multiple stops and give their offense a chance to to get going, which is pretty dangerous. The second game I wanted to talk about. Cleveland versus Steelers. It was just a vintage Cleveland versus Steelers game, basically since I've been alive. Yeah, the records were different coming in. The Cleveland Browns came in at four and one. The Steelers came in at four and zero. Oh. That was the only. That was the only thing that that was different among uh from about this game from others. Usually the Cleveland uh the Cleveland Browns come in like zero oh and five, one and four, two and three tops. But they came in four and one. There was a lot of high expectations for them to make a competitive game. A lot of people were even picking them to to beat the Steelers. And in the end, the Steelers just punked the Browns like they usually do. The Browns look like the same old Browns. They look like pretenders. They look like they 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 don't belong with the big teams. And uh, frankly, I think I think it's true. I I do I have always said since the beginning of the season that I do believe this, the Browns are going to make the playoffs for the first time in God knows how, how many years. But that's mainly because they have a pretty stacked team. They have a very complete roster just across every position that you look. If you look at their depth chart, they have a quality player at almost every single position, except that quarterback. Mayfield is not a good quarterback. In my opinion, he's, he's mediocre. His arm strength is average to below average. His decision making is not that great. He takes a lot of risk. He he thinks he's more athletic than he actually is. He gets caught up in the pocket. He he throws up the ball sometimes just for grabs. He he had a pick six. He had another pick where 
he kind of just threw it up into double coverage or a very crowded area and it got picked. I don't believe in the Browns to make a deep run. I never, even when they were four and one, they had one four straight after getting embarrassed by the by the Ravens. Now they get embarrassed by the Steelers. The two tough teams that they've played, they've gotten embarrassed by the other four that are pretty mediocre teams. They've gotten decent wins. That that's who the Browns are. They'll beat they'll beat the bad teams. They'll lose or get embarrassed against their good or really good teams. But it should be enough to get them to the playoffs. Uh they're pretty one dimensional. The Browns. They gotta run. They gotta run and they gotta run. They gotta keep the ball away from Mayfield. They gotta hope the game stays closed. They gotta tough it out. They have a lot of weapons in the passing game. Hooper, OBJ, Landry, Joko. They have a lot they have a lot of weapons. But having having Mayfield as your quarterback doesn't allow you to use them to their best of their ability. Um yeah, the Browns, the Browns are pretenders. That's what I that's what I learned from today. They're pretenders. Uh they made me a little worried or they were catching my eye a little bit winning four games straight. But I always had that I always had the Raven game in the back of my head like all right. Yeah, you're getting some cool victories against the Cowboys. And against these other mediocre teams. But who, who's a good team that you have played? And it was the Ravens. And they got demolished. So I was like, all right. I'm going to give them a chance. If they beat the Steelers, then they're for real. I'll back off Mayfield. If he plays good, you beat the Steelers. You beat, you beat Big Ben. It's, 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 a, it's a good win to put in your record. And it was just it was a bad start. The Steelers didn't start out that hot, to be honest, but it was a bad start. Mayfield threw a pick six, and then they were playing catch-up the whole game. To be fair, Mayfield was hurt. I think he had some bruised ribs or something like that. But if he was hurt, he shouldn't have been out there. I, I get the competitiveness. He probably wanted to be out there for his team. But he I don't, even 100% healthy, he's struggled before. So if, if he's if he's not at 100%, he, he's not good enough to to play her and still have a, a impact or or be a good quarterback. Um <clears throat> the Steelers, the Steelers look really nice on offense. It looks like they really uh rejuvenated their offense. Uh, they got younger, they got faster. They have a nice core again, uh, around Big Ben, Claypool, Washington, Juju, Connor. Those those are all nice pieces. Connor was running like really nice yesterday. He looked he looked strong. He looked the uh, he looked quick. He looked shifty. He, he looked like he's getting into form. Washington looked good. Claypool has had two last week he was amazing. He had four touchdowns. This week I, I believe he only had one, but they give him the ball on runs. They give they give him the ball through the air. He he might he's going to compete for offensive rookie of the year. And uh Juju, he's supposed to be their number 1, but he's not getting that many targets. He's not getting that many yards. But he's still a nice a nice piece to have on your offense. And the fact that they're putting up 38 points and Juju has like two catches for like 20 yards. Uh, it's kind of scary because he's he's a decent wide receiver. I don't know if he's a clear number one. I, they say his route tree is kind of limited, but he's he's a he's a physical specimen. So they could, they could use him pretty good. He has potential to he's gotten a thousand yards before. So if he's still like not going yet this season and they could get him going, that's another that's another step their offense could take. So 
that offense is looking good, but the defense looked scary good. The Steelers might have the best front seven in the NFL. Them and the Bears probably have the best front seven in the NFL. And uh, Big Ben's not turning the ball over. He's playing really good. I think the year off kind of helped him because he was getting, he's kind of, he's pretty old now. He's, I believe he's 38, but he took a year off. He looks fresh. He looks like he's playing good. He's making sound decisions. The Steelers are going to be a, a scary team. They're a team that I actually believe in. They're a team that I actually think if if everything gets going, they, they just lost their middle linebacker to an ACL and that's going to hurt. But if they're able to avoid more key injuries going forward, they have a pretty complete roster. Their offense is looking good. Their defense is looking good. They might make some noise if they get to the playoffs. They're they're a solid team. And now they're 5-0. and They're leading the division. And their next game is actually against the Titans. Titans are 5-0 and too. So there's only, one, there's only one bye week. There's only one team that gets a bye in the playoffs now and going forward so getting that number one seed in the afc or in the nfc is especially key because you want to get that by you you don't play a game you're that much closer to getting to the super bowl you're that much closer to winning the lombardi trophy that number one spot it's key it's key like it's more important than ever because before two teams would get it now it's only one so that gives you a big advantage over the rest of the playing field so i know the steelers if they want if they really want to make some noise they're going to have to hold on to that number one spot. And it's going to be hard because the Ravens are right behind them. And like I said, they play the Titans, who are also 5-0. and Next week, that should be probably the game of the week. That's going to be a fun game. Um, the Browns came in with the number one rushing offense. And they were able to stop them. But now they play the number one running back in the league right now. So Derrick Henry and the 5-0 and Titans. So we'll see if they're able to stop Derrick Henry because... That's a whole different monster. But speaking of Derrick Henry, that's a perfect segue to for me to talk about the last game that I wanted to talk about this weekend. Um, the Titans and the Texans. It was a great game, to be honest. It was one of nine games in the early in the early slate on Sunday. So I was I was switching between games, but this was one of the games that I was watching the most. Mostly because it had fantasy implications, but because it was also a good game. It was a high-scoring game, Titans versus Texans. Uh, 42-36, Texans, Texans lost. 42-Titans, 36-Texans. Uh, the Titans go to 5-0. I, I owe, Every week, I feel like I'm saying the same thing, but I, I, owe, I owe the Titans an apology. I owe Tannehill an apology. I, my preseason picks... My preseason picks, I picked the Colts to win the division, and I picked the Titans to not make the playoffs, not win the division. And Mike Rabel has that team playing really tough on both sides of the football. Tannehill, I criticized Tannehill for his contract. And honestly, I don't think that was that was a bad spirited or that was that was that was like uh anything crazy. Um Tannehill had been a decent quarterback his whole career. With the with the with the Miami, he got drafted by Miami. He was a good quarterback, great but good but not great. Decent season. I think his best season, he threw like twenty eight touchdowns and like ten picks before this, which is cool. It's not bad. It's not it's not great. And he was already thirty years old last year when when he signed with the Titans. And then you know he had that Cinderella run to the playoffs, and then he looked very limited against against the the Kansas City Chiefs. 
and I, I was like, okay, like I felt in my opinion that kind of exposed him. He was like, all right, when the when the running game's not going, it kind of it kind of felt like like the Titans didn't believe in Tannehill, like they weren't opening up the playbook. They didn't let him go win that game with his arm in the playoffs. So that was my reasoning behind uh, not not picking the Titans to win the division. I thought teams were going to catch up to them. I thought Tannehill's little run wasn't going to continue. And it did. And he's playing great. He's playing amazing, actually. He's taking care of the ball. Uh, he, he's finding his receivers. He looks comfortable in the pocket. He's moving well. He still has his athleticism. He used to be a wide receiver, I believe, in college. So he, he could still run. He could still extend the, the play. It, it looks like the Titans were smart by paying him. Uh, honestly, that contract might be a bargain when it's all said and done. I think it was $29 million, which is crazy to think about. If I would have told you two, year, two three years ago that the Titans were going to pay Tannehill $29 a year and it, it, it could be a bargain, you would have you would have been like, you're crazy, man. What are you, what are you smoking? But things changed quickly in the NFL, and Tannehill is having one of the best if not the best resurgence stories in recent history, he really changed his career. He got away from the Dolphins. I guess the Dolphins were just a dumpster fire. And now he's leading the Titans. They're 5-0. and They're going to make the playoffs for sure, unless something horrific happens. But it was just a, it was a great game. The Texans came out, and, and you know now they don't have their head coach. They're probably trying to prove that you know it was a head coach. It wasn't them. They came out strong. Watson had a great game too, but the the story of this game was Tannehill being clutch, Tannehill being a franchise quarterback, Tannehill kind of proving that it wasn't a fluke. I'm here, I'm here to stay. I'm for reals. This is my team. I belong in the conversation for top ten quarterbacks in the league. And Derrick Henry just keeps proving that he's a monster. He's a man amongst boys. He he's the biggest player on the field most of the times, including defensive linemen. The fact that he's that big and he could move that quick is unfair, to be honest. Like, what's going on? Like, he looks like a like a grown-ass man playing with high school kids when he's on the field, and that's pretty scary. He busted out another 90-yard run. He had another 200-yard game to add to his collection. He's just a monster. I think they put a stat when he, when he broke that long run and went over 200 yards. Over the last two years, the Derrick Henry has three 200-yard games. The rest of the NFL combined has three. And so just him by himself, he has as much as the whole NFL combined 200-yard games over the last two years. That's ridiculous. Derrick Henry is a monster. He got paid this offseason. When, when they paid Tannehill and they hadn't paid Derrick Henry, I was like, what are you guys doing? You got to take care of Derrick Henry. And thankfully for the for all neutral fans and Derrick Henry fans, the Titans did take care of him. They gave him a nice contract. He got paid. He's running even harder than before. So it looks like they're getting their money's worth. The Titans are a scary team. They got AJ Brown back. He had some he had some injury concerns or issues at the beginning of the season. I know because I am on I have him on my fantasy team. But now he's back. Once they get Davis back from the COVID-19 uh, exempt list or whatever he's in, he, he missed a game He's or last two games because of COVID-19. But once he gets back on the other side, they're going to have two physical, good wide receivers. AJ Brown more than Davis, but Davis is pretty good too. And then they have 
two beast tight ends. Tannehill's playing great. They probably have the best running back in the league right now, Derrick Henry. The Titans are for reals, man. The Titans are scary. The Titans are 5-0. and And just like I said for the Steelers, that number one spot in the AFC is going to be especially crucial this season or going forward. There's only one bye week in each conference, and it's going to be super important if you're a title contending team to get that number one spot to avoid playing in the wild card round, to rest up your players, to get healthy. And the Titans are have a good track. They're on a good track to uh, to to get that number one spot. They play the Steelers this week. It should be a great game. If you guys are going to watch one game next week, I suggest is this one. The Titans at 5-0 against the Steelers at 5-0. Big Ben against Tannehill. Tannehill is playing elite, which is crazy. It's still it's still crazy to like to just wrap everything. He's from the same draft class as Luck and RG3. And we all know how Luck and RG3 career started. RG3 started like firing out the gate with the Washington football team or I recall the Redskins back then. But RG3 came out firing. Luck, Luck was came out with all the hype. He was supposed to be the next big quarterback. He's the can't miss prospect, but he retired early. So RG3 is a backup. Luck is retired, and Tannehill is over here being a franchise quarterback, leading the Tennessee Titans to a 5-0 record in the same division that Luck got drafted into, the AFC South. Just crazy storyline, crazy career turn that that Tannehill has had. He flipped the switch, and it's, it's been pretty awesome to see, to be honest. So I wish him the best. I wish the Titans the best. And like I said, if you're going to watch one game next week for week seven of the NFL, I suggest you watch the Tennessee Titans against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Two 5-0 teams duking it out. <coughs> but moving along to the EPL, match day five uh, is almost over. Uh, today, October 19th, West Brom plays Burnley. They're actually probably playing right now. They're about to start. And Leeds plays my Wolves later on today. But match day five was pretty good. Over the weekend, we had some very interesting games. I'm just going to go over the scores real quick. Everton against Liverpool, 2-2. I'm going to talk about that game in a little bit. It was a great game. Controversial, super controversial. We'll get into it. Chelsea versus Southampton, 3-3. Chelsea blow another lead. I'm also going to talk about that game. Um, Really interesting game. Just fun, fun, fun soccer this weekend. Man City beats Arsenal 1-0. I was actually looking forward to this game. I thought it was going to be a great game. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of a snooze fest. It was, it was not too exciting. There wasn't too many chances. Man City won 1-0. I did think Man City was going to win. I thought it was going to be more competitive. I thought it was going to be a funner game, but 1-0 Man City. Man United 4, Newcastle 1. Uh, Man United... Uh, got down early with an own goal, and then they tied up the game, and it was 1-1 for almost the whole game. And then they scored three goals in like the last 10 minutes, pushed the lead to 4-1. It was a good bounce-back game for Man United after getting trashed before the international break by Tottenham. 4-1. 4-1 Man United, Newcastle. Oh, well. There's still a lot of the season. You're, you're a mid-table team. You've shown some promise. I feel like they're going to stay in, in the in the top flight. Uh, other scores, Sheffield won, Fulham won. The bottom two teams in the Premier League, I believe. Uh, what can you say? They're Both of them are looking like they're going to get relegated. 
Sheffield surprising because they played really good or they were a competitive team last year and they have not shown that this year. Crystal Palace won, Brighton won. Another decent game. I didn't really watch that one. Tottenham 3, West Ham 3. Tottenham, oh, I'm going to talk about this game, but just crazy result. Tottenham was up 3-0 within the first 15 minutes and they blew the lead. We'll talk We'll talk about that in a little bit. Aston Villa won, Leicester 0. I think Aston Villa is like, for me, they're like the Tennessee Titans, kind of. I got to apologize to them every week. I thought Aston Villa was going to get relegated because they barely survived last year. I thought they were going to lose Grealish, Grealish to a big team, and they've been able to keep him. And now they're 4-4-4. Four, four, four. They're second in the table. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Crazy, crazy scenes in the EPL this this year. Aston Villa beats Leicester. They're 4-4-4. Four, four, four. They have one game at hand, and they're second in the EPL. Ridiculous. And like I said, there's two games left. West Brom and Burnley leads against Wolves. Uh, I believe West Brom game... At the time of the recording, I believe it just started. They should be playing right now. And then later on today, probably when you're watching this, the game is going to be over. But Wolves versus Leeds. Uh, good luck to my Wolves. If they win, they go to sixth after having... It's a pretty bit, It's been a pretty rough start to the season. But if they win, they go to sixth. And they're right in the thick of things. So hopefully the Wolves win. Go Wolves. Uh, fun fact that I learned about this week. We're five match days in almost. There's only two games left. Five ma- Match day five is almost in the books. And there has been no 0-0 games this season, which is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's unheard of. It's probably because there's no fans. I, I-, I think that has to do something with it. But this is the most high-scoring season ever in the EPL. There have been no 0-0 games so far. Hopefully this West Brom or this Wolves game isn't one of those. Hopefully it's a good game. Once I'm finished recording, I'm going to watch those two games. Hopefully there's good goals in that game, but it's crazy. As of week five, week five is almost over. There's two games left. There has been no 0-0 games in the whole season. All almost 50 games that have been played. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. That's an insane stat. When I read that, I was like, whoa, that's an insane stat. I think it has something to do with the fact that there's no fans. There's been a lot of comebacks and all over the all over the world and whatever sport you you you're analyzing or you're observing, there's been a lot of like crazy comebacks and I think that's because there's no fans, there's no fans in the stands and I think teams get relaxed when they have a lead and they don't have fans to keep keep your concentration or if you're losing, you don't have fans to demoralize you and just, you know, kill your spirit. You're just it's just you. And just, like, keep playing and maybe something will happen. And then also, it's just been a crazy season. Aston Villa is second. They're 4-for-4. Four four, and Everton is still undefeated after tying with Liverpool. They have four wins, one tie. They're number one, they're number one uh, place in the Premier League. And it's just crazy. When you look at the table, when you look at the table and you see, like, the scores, I think Man City is number 10th in the table after five, four games for them. It's just ridiculous. They have a game at hand, but still, it's just you look at you you go down the table, you look at the the spots, you look at the scores this season, and it's just been crazy, crazy season. It's been really fun. I'm actually excited to see how it plays out. It's gonna be a great season. It's been a great season. We're a quarter through. No, we're we're an eighth of the season through. And it's been amazing. And I hope 
the rest, the seven eighths of the season that are left, I hope is just as good as the beginning. Cause man, it's been exciting, exciting, exciting season. And I can't, I can't wait for more. Uh, uh, the international break was cool. Got to see some international teams. Uh, I'm a Mexican. So I saw Mexico beat uh, Netherlands and then they tied against uh Mares team. I forgot. I forgot what his team, what team plays for. I think it's Algeria. They tied with them, so it was it was cool, but nothing compares to club soccer unless it's like internet, like a big international tournament for just regular qualifiers and like international breaks. It's, it's not the same. So I'm I was really glad that the Premier League was back. And uh, yeah, first game that I wanted to talk about from this weekend, really really get into it. Everton versus Liverpool, Merseyside Derby. To the champion against the number one team or number one position in the league. And it was a good game. I'm not going to lie. It was entertaining. 2-2 over here in the U.S. It was You had to get up early to watch. It was a struggle. I, I'm not going to lie. I had like one eye shut and one eye, one eye open. But what? Just because it was so early. Not because I don't like soccer or not because it's not a good game. It was just super early. But yeah, and let's just get let's get started. Let's talk about it. There was two controversial things from this game. Virgil Van Dyke got taken out by Pickford. It was it was crazy tackle. It should have it should have resulted in a in a red to Pickford, but unfortunately for Van Dyke, he was offside. So that was the only thing they checked on the VAR. They just checked if he was offside, and he was. And once they checked for that, they just gave the offsides to Everton. And they completely ignored that Pickford had just taken out Van Dyke, taken out his leg, and took out his season. Uh, it came out yesterday, I believe, that Van Dyke tore his ACL. He's done for eight months, which pretty much just puts closes the book on this season. And hopefully, he gets he gets better, he gets well soon, and he's able to come back as the Van Dyke that we all know and respect and appreciate. Because he's a great, he's a great uh, defensive back. He's a great center back. He's probably the best center back in the world right now. He he he's been playing great like the last three seasons. He's had a little small dip in his form the last few months since the restart happened last season and kind of the beginning of the season. He's had he's looked a little shaky in some games, but you can't deny that he's at worst a top three center back in the world. When he's on, he's the best center back in the world. And it's a huge loss to Liverpool. And then the other controversial thing that happened this game was the game was tied 2-2. And it looked like Liverpool had gone the go-ahead goal in the 91st minute. It looked like they were going to steal a victory in the last minute. And VAR took it away because Manez, I don't know what, was offsides. It looked like he was onsides. If you just look at the image... It looked like he was onside. Everybody thought, like, okay, there's when they were checking for the offside, even the commentator was like, all right, what are we checking here? Like, this is a goal. Like, it, it, it's pretty clear that he's not offside. And then they checked and they called offsides. And it was just crazy scenes, crazy scenes in the Merseyside Derby. And they, I know, I know Liverpool felt like they were slided twice. Their captain, their best defender, the heart of their defense is taken out and Everton gets no repercussions. 
and then you think you got the victory, you're gonna move up the table, or you're gonna win the Merseyside Derby, and they take the goal away from you because maybe Mane was ahead of the defender by a millimeter, if that. I would be upset. I would be upset, and I've been upset. There's there was a similar play last season where Wolves, my Wolves went to went to Liverpool. And they were losing 1-0 and they got the equalizer. They got the equalizer like in the 45, 45th or 47th minute right before halftime. And Neto scores it, put, puts it in the bottom left corner. And he's celebrating. He's doing his little celebration. And then they check the goal. And even the commentators were like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, are we serious? Like, this is not offsides. And then they called offsides for that too. They take the goal away. Liverpool take a 1-0 lead into halftime. They're able to see out the game they're able to get that victory against the wolves and there's been there's been other times where var has benefited liverpool so i i do i uh, i find it a little annoying that liverpool is like going to the board or filing a, a complaint and like they're trying to get like some i don't know i don't know what they're trying to get but they they filed the official complaint to the league saying that var should have checked this var should have checked that that this this should have gone their way, I don't know. I don't I don't like that. VAR gets you sometimes. VAR punish you, punishes you sometimes. The one thing that I thought about when I saw that Liverpool was filing all these complaints was uh, uh, Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce, coach of Newcastle, when they played when they played uh, Tottenham, and they they got a. They got a penalty to tie the game one one. It was a super, sh- a super, super like penalty that should never be called. It was it was at the beginning of the season when all those weird penalties were being called. And Steve Bruce, after the game, he said that honestly that shouldn't have been a penalty. That it feels weird winning that way. That he understands that he should be happy because VAR helped him out this time. But he understands that it's gonna come back like. It's gonna moving forward. There's gonna be a, a a situation where it's gonna hurt them, and that's why he can't be happy or like he understands how this game works or how VAR works. That sometimes it's gonna favor you, but there's gonna be other times where it's gonna you know just completely turn the game against your side, and that's just how it is with VAR. Like sometimes it, it helps you out, and you're like, all right, it is what it is. Like, what can I do? That's how they're implementing VAR, and then. There's going to be other times where you're going to be on the bad side and you're going to be like, what? Like, come on. Why do we have VAR? Why is VAR not checking this? Or why is VAR being so meticulous and super accurate? Like, can it be that accurate with the offsides? Like, what's going on? Is, is the technology even there? And you're going to be upset. But just like Steve Bruce said, it comes and it goes. And I think there's nothing you could do other than revoke VAR or take VAR away. Like, if if I wouldn't if if there was gonna be a complaint by Liverpool, it would be to, in my opinion, it would be to get rid of VAR, like or to file a complaint, just complaining about VAR or the decision that happened. I think, is is like, like who do, who does Liverpool think they they are or like why do they think they're gonna get like a different outcome than other teams when this happens across the whole league? Like once I was I was on Twitter and I was watching I was reading the tweets from all these different sports outlets um, reporting that Liverpool was going to file a complaint. And, like, all I was seeing was just fans of all of these other teams in the EPL just pointing out 
how their team has gone and like hurt has been hurt by VAR. Everybody was referencing like what, like why is Liverpool doing this? Like I'm a whatever whatever fan, and look, this happened on this game. Similar thing, player got injured, and then they took a goal away from us. And my team never filed a complaint. Like, why is Liverpool doing it? And then there'll be other fans just, you know, citing their references. Hey, my team, this and this happened. They never complained. But I get it. I get it. If you're Liverpool, I get why you're doing it. Your captain is gone. The heart of your team is gone. It's going to be difficult to win the league without him. And then just keep, if you keep dropping points, it's going to be even harder. So I get it. I get it. I get what they're doing. It and, and to be honest, I, I'm I'm siding with them. Like Pickford should have got in the red, and if it was up to me, I would have upheld that goal. I wouldn't have taken it back for offsides. So I kind of get it, but it does kind of irk me that Liverpool is like thinking they're special. They're gonna get some special treatment by filing for that complaint. I don't know. It's just things that are that pop up in my head. But one more time, it's really unfortunate that Van Dyke is out. Uh, he started 93 of the 93 games for Liverpool, 94 out of the last 95 Premier League games. That's over two seasons that he started without missing a game. Pretty ridiculous. Uh, like I said, he's he's been he's been a rock at the back, but the Liverpool defense as a whole has looked shaky um, since the, since the beginning of of the since the restart of last season. Once uh once we came back after coronavirus uh delayed the the continuation of last season, their defense has looked shaky. I've I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I've mentioned it here. I've said that their defense was shaky, that they're that even though even though they were shaky, the other teams that are contending or trying to contend for top four or the Premier League title, their defense was shakier. So that gave the nod to Liverpool. That was my thought process. Like I was looking like, all right, Liverpool, your defense is still it's looking shaky. I'm I'm not super confident in it. But Chelsea has the worst defense. Tottenham has the worst de- worst defense. City has the worst defense. And that was mainly because of Van Dyke and because I trusted Van Dyke and I, I know the caliber of player that he is. But now, now that he's gone, that argument that I was putting forward for Liverpool is kind of dead. I can't confidently say, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out, but I can't confidently say now, all right, your defense is shaky, but it's still better than Tottenham's or it's still better than Chelsea's or it's still better than Leicester's or whoever is going to compete. Arsenal, probably Arsenal maybe. It's still better than that because you have Van Dijk. You have a top three finisher in the Ballon d'Oro. You have probably the best center back across the world, the last three seasons, three or four seasons, and now he's gone. So we'll see. We'll see how they're able to replace that defense. And Allison's still hurt, and they're gonna need him more than ever. Hopefully, when he comes back from that shoulder injury, he's able to just stay healthy for the rest of the season. Because I know Allison's prone to getting injured. It, it looks like he's always injured at least once or twice every season. So they're gonna need him to be healthy because. That back line might suffer a lot now that Van Dyke is gone. So if I was Liverpool, it's get Allison healthy and back as soon as possible. Hold on till the January transfer. And then in January, probably you're probably gonna have to get a center back if you want to compete or if you want to be 
we'll see. We'll have enough games between here and then to see how they're doing. But I feel like it's definitely in the cards to buy a center back in the January transfer just to salvage the season. Because if I'm Liverpool, I'm trying to stack trophies, as many trophies as I can with this team that I have right now with Klopp. Because we all know the drought they went into. You never know when that could come back. You got to seize the moment. Seize the moment, Liverpool. This is your time. You have a great team right now. You have a great coach. Seize the moment. Stack up those trophies. Because you never know. You never know until it's gone. And then once it's gone, you don't know when it's going to come back. And that's that's for a lot of things. But seize the moment, Liverpool. I think they need to get Allison back and... Backup keeper, center back during January transfer season, and then maybe they could salvage their season. Because if they don't, I don't see them winning the season, the league with just with just the roster they have right now. If if uh, Matic, Matip or Gomez are their center backs, or they put whoever at center back, it's it's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be tough to hold on because basically the the EPL is gonna come down to who's front three could score the most goals and whose weak defense could hold on the best because that most most of these elite teams that's the way they're constructed they're really good on top they have a pretty good midfield or if not a really good midfield and then their back is suspect or mediocre so and one more thing Firmino it looks like Firmino is really struggling he hasn't scored at all this this season and it might be time to give Hota a run at the number nine uh, Mane and Salah on the sides and maybe try Jota in the middle. He he had a good uh, international break. He had a good international break. He scored twice for for uh, for Portugal. He he looked like he's in form. It looked like it's a good signing already. As a Wolf fans, I miss him. But if I'm Liverpool and Firmino, for all he's done, I've been a Firmino fan. I like him. I think he's a good build-up player along the, the mold of like a Benzema. But it looks like he's struggling this season and you have other pieces and you just got to keep stacking points if you want to compete for the league at this point. It's not the end of the world that they've dropped points at the beginning of the season because almost every team has dropped points. And how long could Everton and Aston Villa keep up the pace that they have? But yeah, that's one one of the things that I would try would be to uh, put Hota at the number nine. And then you got to shore up that right lane for Trent Alexander, like I mean, the, even the commentators were were like mentioning how bad his defense was in that second goal. Like he kind of just let the Everton's left back, French left back, I forgot his name right now, but he just let him run, and then he didn't close out on him, and he was able to get the cross. And it needs to be better from Trent Alexander, is what I'm saying. And they need a, now more than ever now that Van Dyke is gone for the season. <clears throat> but yeah, that was that was Everton versus Liverpool. I didn't really talk about Everton that much, but they look solid. Hamas Hamas had another good game. He had he had a couple chances that he created. He he bends the ball into the box like nobody nobody's business. Uh, their number nine, Calvert. He he looks really good. He scored another goal. Ancelotti has that team firing. Uh, any other Everton team was they would have gone down to Liverpool. They probably would have folded. But not this Everton team. And it's been fun to see them play. It's been fun. Pickford took out Van Dyke, unfortunately. But he had he had a pretty good game too. He had some other saves. 
it was a good game overall. Unfortunate about Van Dyke. Great Merseyside Derby. Everton, I, I believe they haven't beaten Liverpool in the Merseyside Derby in like over 20 games. So they're still going to play again further down the line. And we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But it was a great game. I hope Van Dyke gets better. And it's just unfortunate that we lose a great player. The second game that I wanted to talk about, Chelsea versus Southampton. Keppa, Keppa, Keppa. What can I say about Keppa? Every week, it seems like every time he gets a chance to start for Chelsea, it looks like he's he's messing up. It looks like he's just lost all his confidence. Every uh, The one question I keep asking every time I see Keppa play, how are you the most expensive keeper in the world? Who, who signed off on that? How, how did you warrant that big of a price tag you're a bad keeper um but all the blame shouldn't shouldn't go on keppa suma my god uh one of my friends just reminded me the other day that he was actually the starting center back for france when they won the world cup next to um next to the real madrid center back what's it varan varane yeah, he was a, he was a, he was the starting center back in the World Cup, and I think I checked and that was right. But uh, I think Suma is terrible. It was a horrible pass back to Keppa. You put Keppa in no man's land, and then to be fair, Keppa could have came out better, and it, he just looks sloppy and like he doesn't know what he's doing. But the, but the thing that frustrated me the most, in case you guys didn't know, Chelsea was up three one, and they blew it. They lost. They tied three three. The thing that frustrated the most about Suma is that he's ball watching. The ball goes over his top. He's trying to pass it back to his keeper. Super weak pass back to Keppa. And then Keppa messes up too, but the play gets elongated. Like the play, it was not just, all right, Suma messed up, Keppa messed up, and the plays, and then they score. Like Keppa was running around trying to fix his mistake and stop uh, Southampton from scoring. And Suma is just, once he messed up, he just starts walking and watching what's going on. Just watching Keppa trying to fix whatever is going on. And Suma just the whole time is just watching the ball, walking, not... Like, I expect you to get on a full sprint and defend the goal and try to salvage the mistake that you made. And that was not the case. He just ball-watched. He just let it happen. And it's just, it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. It's not good enough for a title contending team. It's not good enough for Chelsea. It's just not good enough. And uh, Thiago Silva didn't play because he had international duties and I think he had a quarantine or something like that. I don't know why he didn't play it, but having Sumo back there, I don't like Sumo. I've never rated him. I think he's a bad center back. He shouldn't be starting for Chelsea. He's he's just not good enough. He doesn't... He doesn't have that demeanor to be a leader from the back. And ball watching yesterday or two days ago, whenever they played, and not getting back after after it was your mistake that, that your team was in that situation and you're just ball watching is just, I don't know. If I, if I was Lampard, I would chew him out in the in the locker room. And I would point to that footage and say, if you're going to play like this, if you're not going to show effort after you mess up, you're not seeing the pitch. And I don't care if you have high wages or if you're regarded as a promising young center back, you're not going to see the field if you keep doing this and you don't show more effort. 
But with that being said, Chelsea's offense is look. It looks like it's finally turning on. It looks like they're finding the rhythm. It looks like Werner and Pulisic are connecting on the top. They actually they actually look really good together. Pulisic and Werner it looked like they were finding each other. It looked like they had good chemistry already. So that's good for them. Werner, for, uh, after coming from the Bundesliga, he he finally got his first Premier League goals. I think he has scored in the cup already, but he finally got his first two Premier League goals. The second one was especially class. Great pass over the top, I think by uh, Jorninho. He sent it over the top, chipped the keeper, and calmly uh, finished it with his header. A good goal by Werner, good game. Uh, Chelsea's offense looks elite. It look, <laughs> I saw a comment that said, like, the top is a super nice Mercedes Benz. Their midfield is like a BMW, and then their defense is like a junkyard car. Like, nothing. Like, <laughs> it's pathetic. And I kind of agree with that. The, the, the Chelsea's offense looks good. Pulisic looked pretty good coming back from injury. The one, the one gripe, or one of the gripes I have with 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 Lampard is just he keeps putting Pulisic as a right winger just so he could have Mount as the left wing. And I don't rate Mount at all. The reason he's probably playing is because he's English and they get favored. They get favorited in the EPL, but he's not—he's not a good player in my opinion. He's a decent, above-average player that could get minutes, that could be a, that could have a roster roster spot on one of these teams. But he's, in my opinion, he's not an everyday starter for a top four team, or at least he hasn't shown it yet. And the fact that he's choosing to put Mount as the left wing instead of Pulisic, where that's where Pulisic is the strongest that once he if he's at the left wing position Pulisic becomes one of the best players in the Premier League and he's shown that in the conclusion of last season when he's put in the left left wing position he's a monster he showed it against Liverpool once Pulisic came in and he he played that left wing position against Liverpool last season he completely changed that changed that team changed the the game he's he's a righty he's his, his right foot his dominant foot so when he's put on the left wing and he's able to cut in and onto his right foot, it's just it's night and day for Pulisic. He becomes really dangerous. He has the pace to take players head on. He's quick on his feet. He, he's just a different player when he plays that left wing position, and it just frustrates me that he keep that Lampard keeps putting Mount on that left wing position and puts Pulisic on the right wing, even though Pulisic is still good enough to you know get get a good game on the right side that left side would make him especially dangerous Lampard if you're listening or someone that knows Lampard or if we can get a movement going put Pulisic on the left side that's where he shines most Um, but Lampard as far as Lampard goes I mean he's a club legend so I think they're going to have a long thread with him they're not going to fire him just because he's a legend and I know it's a new team. They have they had a lot of signings this offseason. They spent a lot of money. So it takes a while to get chemistry going. But I just feel like uh, this, Lampard might have gotten this job too early. It looks like he doesn't have his tactics set. I feel like they've dropped points. Not so much, obviously, because of their, their defense. Number one, their defense is terrible. That's why they're dropping points. But I feel like they're also dropping points because of Lampard. Because he doesn't know how to see the game out. He doesn't know how to make strategic subs. 
And he's honestly, he, he sometimes it looks like he's just a rookie coach. And, you know, that's understandable. He hasn't been coaching for that long. But some of his subs just don't make sense. He, he subbed him James and he put him in the midfield when they were trying to see the game out. If I, I think the most smart decision would have been to go to a back three, put another center back in, and help fortify that defense for, just to see the game out and get the points and get out of there. Instead, he puts James and he puts him on the midfield, and they ended up giving up another goal, and they tied 3-3. And just the defense, he, he can't fix the defense. And I know, like, it's not on him. Like, the players have to defend. But in the 43 games that Frank Lampard has been the coach for uh, Chelsea, they've given up 63 goals. So that's about 1.5 goals per game. And that's just not good enough. Because if you're depending on your offense to score two to three goals every game, that's a tough ass for any team. You're going to have to keep some clean sheets. And he he's really struggling to get get those clean sheets and get his defense together. <clears throat> so Chelsea's not done by any by any means. Like I said, all these top six, all these title contender teams this season, they've all dropped points. The table is really condensed right now. There's it's Everton, Aston Villa, and then after them, from like three to fifteen, it's super close. So everyone's still alive. There's no need to panic. Lampard is probably going to be given to the end of the season. Even then, this is a COVID season, so I don't realistically realistically see them getting rid of him, but he needs to start getting some results. He needs to start playing Pulisic on the left wing. He needs to start making his defense play play tougher. He needs to bench Kepa, first of all. It, it's been it's, it's been long enough. They've given him enough chances. It looks like he lost all his confidence. He probably needs to change the scenery. He needs to go to a team with a different price tag next to his name so he doesn't have all the pressure. And he needs to get Thiago Silva back, even though he's messed up too, but he's he's more he's more seasoned. He's a veteran. I, I believe he's going to play better at defense than Suma. And he needs to hope that their offense carries them through the season because that defense is bad. And thankfully for them, the offense looks like it's going to be really strong, really, really strong for the for the rest of the season. They're pretty deep on the offensive side, and they just need their defense to step up a little bit. As far as Southampton, Walker made his uh, Walker's back with Southampton, his boyhood club. Played with the uh, played with Everton. Had a long stint with Arsenal. He, he was a promising player at one point. Everybody thought he was going to be like really, really good. He turned out just just to be all right, just to be pretty good. Uh, he looked dangerous with Southampton. He looked like he was getting involved a lot with Southampton. Not just like on the right side. He he was cutting in the middle. He was he's creating plays. Southampton looked like a pretty good team. They're probably going to be a mid-table team going like throughout the rest of the season. So good for Southampton. I'm I'm glad. I I would never want Southampton to go down. They're one of those teams that I just like having in the in the Premier League. <coughs> but. The last game I wanted to talk about was Tottenham versus West Ham. Another 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 crazy game this season. 3-3, just like the Chelsea game. 3-3 tie. Tottenham was up 3-0 at the beginning. 
first 15 minutes and then in the last 15 minutes West Ham scored three goals of themselves to salvage the tie crazy game ridiculous ridiculous scenes the last goal was a screamer to get the 3-3 tie just Tottenham it does it just looks like they don't want to take that number one spot they don't want to make that leap all these other teams are losing they're tying they're dropping points this could be Tottenham's year and they just keep messing up too they just keep following the path like they're scared to be great uh Tottenham has not kept a clean sheet all season so another contending team that has terrible defense if you guys are seeing there's a pattern here in the EPL the defense, or not just in the EPL, across the world. I've been saying this. Defense is bad right now in soccer. Defense is bad. But yeah, Tottenham has not been able to keep a clean sheet all season. And Mourinho prides himself on defense. That's his bread and butter. Park the bus and counterattack. And uh, they were up 3-0. Looks like they were going to win comfortably. This was supposed to be the Gareth Bell game. Making his return to, to Tottenham. And or it was supposed to be the Sun game. Sun played another great game. Harry Kane played another great game, and Tottenham just blew it at the end. Um, crazy comeback by West Ham. Gareth Bale came on, I believe, like in the seventieth, seventieth minute, seventy fifth minute. He he had one chance to put the game away. He actually looked pretty good. He he dribbled around like one or two players. It was on his left foot. I thought he was gonna finish. I thought he was gonna put the ball in the back of the net. Unfortunately for him, he put it wide right, and it could have been inconsequential, but man, West Ham scored a screamer at the end, top right corner, probably goal of the season contender, great, great game, great, great goal. Uh, As far as Tottenham goes, they could have the best trio in the league, Harry, Kane, Son, and Bell, that's a dangerous trio compete against anybody's trio especially if bell gets back in form and he looked pretty decent just needs to work on his finishing if sun kane and bell are all in form that's a dangerous three that's a it could compete like i said it could compete against anybody their midfield is decent they have a pretty good keeper i still like Mourinho. it's a good head coach but they've had some unfortunate ties or losses this year yeah they beat yeah they beat united they trashed united but unfortunately, they, they got that loss against Newcastle 1-1 when they got that late penalty. It was kind of bullshit, but still, they draw points there. Now they draw points against West Ham. They just got to see these games out. They got to find a way to finish these games. If they ever want to make... If they ever, if they ever want to stop being in the laughingstock of the EPL, because everybody clowns on Tottenham. Everybody is like, yeah, like... You're like the little brother of the big six. Like you're always kind of there knocking on the door, but you're you're never getting anywhere. Like, yeah, you got to the uh, Champions League final, you couldn't win it. Yeah, you've had you've had good seasons, but you've barely finished in the top four. Like Tottenham needs to make that jump. Like sometimes I root for them just because hey, they have some cool uniforms. They've had some good players. They've had Bell. They've had. Um, <clears throat> they have had Modric, they have Eriksen. They've had they've had good players go through their game through their through their teams, and it's never it's never happened for them. They haven't won league, and they need to win the league and 
in recent history to validate this improvement that they've made. And I think this year, more than any year, the EPL, the Premier League is wide open. The Premier League is wide open. I don't know if it, teams are more balanced. It has something to do with COVID. There's no fans. It's way different with fans. There's a lot more goals. Comebacks are being made every weekend, it seems like. No one seems to grab a, a, a strong chokehold on the lead, on on who's the best team in the league. Aston Villa is playing great, but I don't see them, you know, keeping this up. Everton's playing great, but realistically, are they going to finish one and two or even in the top four? Probably not. It's probably going to be one of the usual teams that's kind of struggling out the gates. Everyone's struggling out the gates. Everyone has a chance. I kind of like it. I, I don't really like it when Liverpool or Man City run away with the league by 20, 30 points and it's decided and it's a one-horse race or it's a two-horse race. I kind of want to see it play out like it's playing out right now where one through six, they're all bunched up. And depending on how these results go week in and week out, it could just fluctuate. I like that. I like that. I like that. I think it's going to be a great Premier League season. But like I said, for Tottenham especially, if you want to start building a name for yourself, this is the year to do it. The EPL is wide open. You actually not just have a chance to finish top four. You have a chance to win the league, like realistically. I don't think I'm saying anything crazy. They realistically have a chance to win the league this year. The way all these teams are looking so far after five match days, anything could happen. And they have a great head coach who's won Champions League with three different teams. They have class players, Kane, Sun, Bell, all over the field. They've spent money. Gary, Yon, they got a lot of players. This might be the year for Tottenham. You gotta just concentrate, see these games out, and you might be able to win the the tro- the EPL trophy this year. But <clears throat> that was that was a uh, that was EPL match day five. It was a great weekend, more unprecedented results. It seems like every weekend we're just crazy games. Nothing seems to go the way we think it's gonna go. If you're a better, if you've been betting on these games, <laughs> these five match days. Uh, it's probably rough. I don't know who's like if you have multiple games on your tickets. I feel like there's one, at least one every every week that's messing you up or that you don't see it coming. And that's that's the beauty of the sport. That's the beauty of soccer. That's the beauty of the Premier League. Uh, I've had a lot of fun watching the sports, talking about the sports. NFL has been great too. Week six was great. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Hard to Handle Sports podcast, episode number 11. Have a great day.